Hey everybody, this is David Delaney, CEO over at 10Bound and host of the Sales Development Podcast. First and foremost, I just want to take a minute to say thank you so much for taking the time and listening, investing in yourself to become a better sales development professional. I know I, for one, when I was coming up a few years ago in sales development, I had very little resources. We had uh, Aaron Ross's Predictable Revenue, a few blog posts printed out from Marketo, and a list of of networking associates that uh, we could turn to to ask questions, but there wasn't a whole lot of information out there. Fast forward, you know, seven years later, and there's a ton of great information and, you know, a lot of help to make you a better sales development professional. And we hope that by producing the podcast every week, you learn a trick, a technique, a strategy that can help you not only become a better sales development professional, but just become a better sales, marketing, customer success, etc. you know, professional by investing this time. So I just want to say thank you for listening and also to thank the guests that come on and, and spend their time and resources to give you that information and help you to walk away with two or three things that can accelerate your career and hopefully make it make some more money in your pocket at the end of the day as well. So a thanks to all the guests. Couldn't have done it without you. When I was starting out the podcast, I went down my list of the smartest, most successful people that I knew in sales development and it continues on to this day. The first few guests that I had on, Matt Amundsen, Mark Casaglo, Nick Azzo, Ralph Barcy, you know, it just some of the brightest minds that do sales development, which is one of the toughest jobs out there. So kudos to all the guests and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm really excited to take the show in a bit of a different direction for a quick four episode series. You know, about three years ago, I went from working in the corporate world and working with startups. The last part of my career was going in and creating sales development programs and really getting those up and running and learning the ins and outs of that whole process of running sales development. It was an awesome experience. And about three years ago, I started doing training, consulting, and and advisory work for companies that wanted to start their sales development program or it was struggling. And that's how 10Bound was born. And, you know, we almost immediately three years ago started the podcast, started talking to people, doing meetups, doing public seminars, and then capping the year with the sales development conference. We're now going into our fourth year. We get about 500 of the top sales development professionals in the world, actually, to come out to San Francisco and dive into three separate tracks, you know, leadership of the teams, operations and the back end, and then actually how to do the job of doing SDR and BDR work in training sessions. So the conference is amazing. We're actually expanding it out from San Francisco. We're going to do one in New York in the spring, in June, actually, late spring in New York. And then we're coming back to San Francisco for the big one in August again. So be sure to join us there. They're amazing events. But 10Bound has been super successful because there's a ton of super bright people involved in sales development. There's a ton of tools out there. There's a ton of interest in this in this topic, and there's not a lot of expertise. So that's what we've really positioned ourselves as 
your one-stop shop for learning how to run a sales development program, how to do sales development if you're a rep, and how to run the back-end operations you know, through our website at tenbound.com. So that's been super exciting. But at the same time, you know, for myself, it's been a journey because I went from being in the corporate world and being an employee for 20 years as a long time and learning how to navigate that environment and then suddenly shifting to entrepreneurship, which is a completely different environment. And it's been an amazing experience for me. You know, I, I think that there's pluses and minuses on both ends. And, you know, for me, one of the pluses of, of entrepreneurship was a sense of being able to, you know, steer my own course, whether it's on the open sea to a treasure trove of success or off a cliff. <laughs> and one way or the other, I was in charge and I, I felt a certain amount of freedom. And definitely as Tenbound has grown to be more successful and it, it, it's able to sustain and grow, I feel more and more of that freedom of entrepreneurship in being able to really chart your own course. And so this series that we're putting together, we call it the Freedom Fighter series. And basically I went out and found four people who have made that transition from the corporate world to the entrepreneurship world and have used the skills that they learned as sales development professionals to you know, hit the ground running, focus on revenue, focus on pipeline, bootstrap where you know they didn't have millions of dollars in the bank. They, they did it themselves because they, they learned sales development. And these conversations are fascinating, really interesting, really relevant, even if you're not even thinking about entrepreneurship and you're not even interested in it, it all kinds of goes together because to become a better sales development professional, you got to be able to understand the whole business and how it works and how the different uh, departments interact together to build pipeline. So I really hope that you enjoy this series and we'll do four episodes of this and then we'll go back to talking to some of the brightest leaders and reps in the sales development space and get you those strategies as well. So I really hope you enjoy this. If you love it, if you hate it, leave a comment and let us know what you think. And again, thank you so much for tuning into the show and making it a success. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is the special series, the first in a series. I don't know how long it's going to go, but I'm really excited. This is the Freedom Fighter series, okay? And you heard my little intro at the beginning. We're going to be diving into the journey of entrepreneurship. If you are interested in this, if you've been thinking about it, this is definitely going to be a lot of value on this conversation. I have here today with me, Mr. Matt Halley, the founder and CEO of Lead to Growth and a very successful entrepreneur. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, man. I know that you, you just had a massive lightning bolt hit near your office. So I'm just glad that we actually have you on the line. <laughs> yeah, glad I could be here. Sorry, sorry, but we had some troubles in the beginning, but I'm glad to be on with you. No worries. Maybe it's a good sign. Maybe we're going to spark some interest here with <laughs> the first in the series of Freedom Fighters. So there I say it might be electrifying. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Just stay out of the just stay out of the way of the lightning bolt, man. So let me ask you this: Lead to Growth, founder, CEO. 
how to tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get to start this company and, and get into this position? Yeah, so it's a, it's a great question. Honestly, it was kind of a fluke. So the context of what I do, we're partnered with Microsoft and we specialize a lot in CRM, ERP implementations. And so earlier in my career as a sales representative, I worked for another Microsoft partner where I sold the CRM application to automotive dealers. And so that was my first exposure to this type of business environment. And, and from there, I, I always knew that one day I wanted to start a company. And so I wanted to leave my sales role, take over some team in, in, in a sales management capacity and just really learn kind of the business aspect of how to run a company, both in terms of you know, the financials reporting, but also how, how to manage people. And so I took over a sales team here in Columbus for a, a book publishing company. And when I'd gotten there, they had a pretty large sales team. I had over 20 sales reps that I managed on that team. And when I'd gotten there, they didn't really have a CRM in place. And so the VP at the time said, well, I, I've been looking at Dynamics and Salesforce. You know, what are your thoughts on the two? And they're both great applications, but I said I just came from the, the Microsoft space. And he said, well, that's interesting because I was kind of leaning more towards Microsoft because we're a Microsoft shop and it integrates well and we want to start a field sales team. So he said, just go out and implement this. And so my background was in sales. I didn't really know a whole lot about the, the technical side, but I, I didn't want to tell my VP no. So I kind of just went and learned everything on the fly, implemented it. And that was how I got my first exposure. And so I spent a lot of time reading books, watching videos, reading blogs, and eventually really loved the idea of using technology to solve sales challenges. And so I really got into it. But at one point in the deployment, my VP said, you're spending too much time on this. I need you to go back to managing salespeople. And so we brought in an external consultant started seeing the checks that we were signing over these guys. And I said, yeah, I'm kind of on the wrong side of the equation. And so made the decision from that point out just to take a leap and go try to do it for myself. Nice. Okay. So let me, let me take it back. So at some point in your career, you said, I want to, someday I want to start a company, right? And, and so you had this like, kind of the, the, the thought in your head that you wanted to start a company. And then you, your path took you to a point where you're like, wait a minute, this is my chance. I see the problem and I see that checks are being written to other people and I see it, right? So, right. so if, somebody, if somebody hasn't seen that, that, that path yet, but they do want to start a company, you know, what, 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 was your, what did you do there? I mean, did you have a goal written out and you wanted to achieve it or... Was it just kind of in the back of your head? It was kind of in the back of my head, and, and, and there was kind of a second driving factor. So I had um, just gotten married a couple of years ago. We you know, had our first child right away. And so my wife was talking about wanting to you know, build a house and you know, settle down and all those different types of things and have more kids. And so I thought about it. I said, you know, in my mind, I said, if I wait till we have more kids and we buy a house, I said, I'm going to become institutionalized at a company because... At that point, it's going to be hard to, to, to leave and start a company once you have you know, a bigger family and bigger obligations. And so I honestly, between you know, the stars aligning with the checks to the other vendors and, and my wife, I just said, it's kind of now or never. And I quit and I honestly didn't have the best plan in place when I left. I just said, 
I'm going to go out and do it. <laughs> nice. So it was basically jumping out of the airplane and assembling the parachute. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I did, you know, I did some planning, you know, I wrote out like a sales process and an acquisition model and I did a lot of that. But at the end of the day, once I, you know, left my employer and started doing it, all that didn't matter. It all changed right away pretty much as soon as I started interacting with prospects and clients. Okay. So this is really interesting. So, so what I'm hearing is if you're if you've got this in the back of your head, right, and, and you're a little bit maybe on the younger side or you haven't gotten all these entrapments that we get, that we, we sign up for, that we love, you know, the wife, the kids, the house. If you're a little bit younger and you don't have those, you, you're a little bit lighter, you know. You, 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 can, you can go out and potentially mess up for a few years and you don't have a bunch of mouths to feed right back at the ranch. Absolutely. It's, you know, you don't have a lot of expenses, you know, you know when you're younger. I mean, you could you know, live off the ramen noodles or lunch meat sandwiches for a while. And so it's, it's not a big deal to live lean and, you know, do what you need to do to invest in your company and grow your business. And you saw, you saw there was a, almost like a path, you know, that was splitting in front of you. You're like, wait a minute. I, I, I know the industry. I see that there's money involved you know, I'm getting into a situation where the bills and all the commitments are going to start to rise through the roof. I better do this right now and go in full force or else the window is going to close in this opportunity, it seems. Right. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Okay. So now, so now you've made that decision. I also want to talk about like, we, we can come back to it, but like, what if you already have all that stuff and you have like a $200,000 lifestyle, then the bills are coming in every month and you hate your job and you want to start a business. But let's bookmark that for a second because I think that could be an interesting topic. When you, when you okay, so now you, you went in full force. You burned your ships. You're just like, I'm doing this. Honey, you know, it's going to be top ramen for a while. Like, <laughs> let's do this. What was your first like set of steps? You said you wrote out a plan. Etc. Like, how did you how did you go forward from there? Well, one of the one of my biggest failures right away was I started my company kind of in parallel with with my last position that I was at, and so I went out and I actually hired a sales guy and a marketing guy. But my biggest failure was that you know again I I pulled out a whiteboard and I drew out a sales process and I you know wrote things out in my mind based on you know past experiences, but. Ultimately, once I put other individuals into that situation, you know, they were having a lot of challenges that I didn't see coming. I couldn't have the insight to, to know that these objections would come up. And so, you know, my initial people really struggled. And at the end of the day, they got frustrated. They left the company and it just wasn't a good experience in my initial hires. And, you know, I, I've you know, interact with a lot of people who have built successful companies. And, you know, the one piece of advice that I ignored in the beginning was they said, you should never hire somebody until you go out and you build your processes out and you really understand the business. And so that was my first failing was that I tried to do this in parallel where I wanted to hire somebody where I could say my last job, they can help start to grow the business in the beginning. And then I could kind of ease into business ownership, but it just did not work out that way. It was, it was a very bad failure right away. Wow. Okay. Dude, that's huge. So I got a bunch of questions. I mean, being in the Bay area where the salaries are ridiculous and you know, people like are very comfortable in their corporate jobs. So did you, did you have enough money socked away to pay these people for like a few months? And then was the hope that once they start to produce, then 
you can pay him for the rest of the year? Or how, how did you how did you bank so much cash to be able to pay two people, right? Well, it, it was a combination of, yeah, I mean, I, I stashed away some money, but I also put some pretty aggressive compensation plans in front of them. And typically, you know, salespeople are driven by money. And I thought that showing a nice commission rate at, you know, on top of the, the salary that I was offering, I thought that that would be motivating. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not always just about the money. And so it was just, you know, again, a lot of frustrating things for them. There was some things that would come up throughout the sales process, they would ask me about where at the time I didn't really have a good answer. And so if, if, you know, the salespeople or anybody under you in general, if they see that, you know, as the leader of the company, if you're unclear with the direction and what should happen, then they're going to lose faith and they're going to jump ship. And so it was just a, a really easy, hard, hard lesson that I, I learned right away. Oh my God. And then, so they're looking at you for the answers and you're, you, you're going, God, you know, I thought, I mean, and I'm putting words in your mouth, but it's like, I thought you were going to do this because you're the sales guy, you know, you're asking me and I don't know. And Oh man. It's a combination. It's that. And it's, yeah. you know, it was the, to be honest, I'd never thought about it and I, I didn't have an answer because I hadn't experienced it. And so I had to sit back and try to think about like, huh, what would I do in that situation? And so that's, you know, again, not the, the best experience for the people that are working with you. Totally. I mean, and, and, and so they start to flag. And then you also had a marketing guy who you had to pay for a few months, right? And, and try to, they were supposed to be out there, you know, getting attention, getting leads and stuff like that. And, right. And, you know, that's another big overhead for you. You're just starting a company. Now you got to pay out this salary, you know, what were the learnings there? You know, it's I've I've really struggled with finding good marketing in the beginning, and so the you know the, in my mind I thought that you know they would funnel leads over to the salesperson. It wouldn't be just a total grind it out for the salesperson, and it just didn't work out that way. You know, again, we're you know software sales company, and so you know our, our sales process is a bit more complex and. You know, when you talk to marketers, they all, you know, make it sound like it's easy. And if you do X, then you get Y. And and so I kind of subscribe to that without knowing what questions to ask. And so I guess I was a bit naive when I talked to marketers in the beginning of launching my company. But, you know, again, it was some hard lessons of, you know, what to ask these people and especially how they go about it. How would they come over, you know, come against the objections of, you know, not being able to, to actively engage with a vice president who we typically target when we reach out. So, you know, again, a lot of lessons there with talking to the marketing people in the beginning, trying to find the right fit for what we're trying to do. Oh, it totally makes sense. And so if you look back on that, is the answer like right now, I just started the company and I have to wear the sales and marketing hat at the company right now until I can actually figure out the objections and the, the motions and like all that stuff. And, and, but the thing is like, you're only one person, right? So you have to like build the product and you gotta, you know, you got the government and forms and like all the stuff that goes into building a company and you have to go out and market and sell this at the same time. I mean, basically like you just have to wear all the hats at the beginning. All the hats. And, you know, to, for the marketing folks that, you know, I worked with in the beginning, it, it's tough because it's, it, it's not only do you have to try to figure out you know, what the objections are and how to overcome them, but you have to figure out how to deliver a message that's actually going to drive engagement with the people that you're trying to target. And so for me, you know, again, I've, you know, we've been around for about two years now and where I'm at today is radically different from where I was at when I first started. And, and to be honest with you, it's quite different from where I was at six months ago. It's just a constantly 
evolving process where you eventually figure out what your niche is, you figure out what industries you should be in, you figure out what you know your your target audience is looking for. And so as you continue to refine, you know, things change. And so I feel like now that I'm starting to get, you know, more established, it makes sense to bring some marketing folks back into the equation, which I have. And so now we're kind of going through that messaging process and seeing how it's going to work in the grander picture. But, you know, in the beginning, these were just, you know, things I did not have figured out. And it just wasn't the right time to try to bring these individuals into the company. Right. So now, now that you've been at it for a while, you know, the, the, you, can, you can answer those questions. You've got the experience. You've heard the objections. And you're just like, if they try to bring you ideas or bring you strategies and plans, that don't align with what you've actually seen in the marketplace, you can just be like, no, <laughs> right? Right, right. <laughs> and then what about sales? Like, are you, gonna, are you still gonna be the, the main salesperson or now are you ready to maybe bring that back? In? I'm kind of going back and forth on it. You know, right now I just really like selling. It's, for me, it's, you know, I've been in sales my whole career outside of the military, but I just think now that, you know, things are, you know, kind of figured out now, I just want to go in there and just really drive growth in my company. And so, you know, I'll be here for a while. I might, you know, progressively start to step back over the next year and bring somebody else in. I mean, my plan is to bring in another salesperson within the next six to 12 months. And so I'll step back, but I don't think at least for the, the immediate future that I'm going to completely step out of it entirely. Got it. Okay. So, so now let's take it back to when you first made that decision, you're starting the company, you had a few people in, it was, it was starting to, you were getting some learning out of that experience. And then what, what was next? I mean, you know, was there a turning point or what, what did you have to work on next to make sure that the company eventually successful? Well, well, interestingly, what, what really kind of turned the table for me was, believe it or not, when I, so after I had the you know, the experience with the salesperson, I said, all right, if I, if I want to build a company, I have to leave my employer and I have to do this myself. And so I left and honestly, I, I, I struck a lot of luck my first 90 days. I'll call it that. I mean, I, I brought in a lot of revenue and within the first 90 days of being in business, like I completely broke my operational model. And interestingly, the deals that I brought in were, a lot bigger than what we were projecting when we first started the company. And, and so I don't know if I mentioned this in the beginning, but I did have a business partner when I originally started my company. But then, so the way it was going to work was I was going to run the sales and the business side of what we do. And then I had another guy who was um, going to run the engineering development side of the business. And so the plan was, you know, we were kind of targeting smaller to, you know, medium-sized businesses, but I really wanted to go out and focus on the enterprise deals. And so I, I brought in several enterprise deals within the first 120 days of being in business. My partner was not expecting it and just didn't have the capability to deliver on the work that needed to be done. So interestingly, in my first six months, I ended up getting rid of my partner in the company as well. So that's another thing that happened to me in my first six months of being in business. Oh, boy. Okay. So you've got these, these big deals that are coming in and, you know, this is an interesting thing. People don't realize this, but even when you sign the deal, you don't get the money on the same day that you sign the deal, right? <laughs> it's right. Like, sometimes it's 30, 60, 90 days. They've got these, especially enterprise, they've got these crazy terms where, right? right? So, so, now, so now you've got your, your, your engineering and development per- person who is you know, having a hard time like, keeping up with all this. And I don't think 
make a lot of money on hand. So now what do you do? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, crazy, it, it was totally crazy. And, you know, I, you know, again, as a CEO, another failure I had was that I kind of took my eye off of that side of the business. I just kind of had the expectation of, well, this is what you're going to do. You're going to oversee this. And I just expected you would handle it. And let's talk about it. And so I, you know, I, again, just asked high level questions. Do we have, you know, people on hand ready to come in and help do work if necessary? And the question was always, yeah, that's not a problem. And so I didn't ask any further probing questions beyond that. And at the end of the day, when it was game time and we needed those people, they weren't there to be found. And then it kind of came out throughout the, throughout the conversations of well, what do we do? You know, the, my partner at the time said, well, I'm not really comfortable with going out and networking with these people and finding them and, you know, selling them on coming in to work with us. Because that's another challenge that you have is when you're a new company, you know, it's difficult to, to find top of the line talent to come in and want to work with you, right? They typically don't want to deal with what they perceive as, you know, low level deals or things that are typically associated with what comes with being a startup. And so you have to really get people to buy into your vision and what you're doing. And so that my partner is like, I don't feel comfortable with that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> probably should have told me that a year ago and not waited until now. And so it was just you know, one curveball after another. Wow. Okay. So, so that is, that's such a good point too, because you always like these entrepreneurial, you know, articles and stuff like ink, ink articles that you read and stuff. They're always like, Oh, it's, it's the team that you put together around you. The team is so important. And it's like, well, yeah, that, duh. Like, <laughs> I know that I need the team to be able to run the company and deliver, but how do I lure someone who's making 200K at his job or her job over to my startup where it's like, hey, maybe we're going to make some money if we can sell something, right? Right. <laughs> and, and to another, I mean, it's, you know, that the, the team is important, but the process is important too. And so the second mistake I made right after that was I'm like, well, you know, somehow I, I was really good at selling really talented engineers to come in and want to work with the company. But then the problem was I didn't have, you know, processes in place on that side of the business. And so I had all these smart guys who wanted to do everything differently in their own way. And so there was this immediate confliction in the way that we would deliver on our work. And so, you know, we had to take a step back and like, guys, we got to come up with a unified process here. We have to speak the same language. Otherwise, again, you're just going to keep running into those same issues where, you know, expectations aren't clear and you're not going to know what the next steps are. Oh, wow. And that, I mean, and, and, and so you're dipping into a world. I'm just trying to put myself into your shoes because I'm not a technical person. I'm, I'm a, you know, on the sales development side. and so. I can't even imagine kind of wading into that conversation and being like, you know, I know that we're not, we're not being able to deliver. And I know that it's because we don't have a process where everything's unified. But beyond that very basic level of understanding, I would just have no idea about how to facilitate that process reorganization. So how did you, how were you able to wade into that and get it fixed? You know, <laughs> you poor guy. I mean, he, we were gonna have a nice nice conversation about all the good stuff but i mean actually the everything that went wrong is way more interesting to me because i live it on a daily basis so right. and, and people learn you know from from mistakes i mean that's the best teacher you know and and so you know i, I don't mind sharing it and hopefully you know people are listening to this could kind of hear some of the failures and hopefully somebody could take something from this that would save them the headache for you know, whenever they start their company, or maybe it helps them in, the, in a company they have now. But to answer your question, it was just, honestly, I hopped on LinkedIn, and 
you know, instead of cold calling prospects, like I was cold calling engineers, like I was just having conversations, like trying to pick people's brains. And and to be honest, like I just made myself vulnerable, like here's where I'm at, like here's the situation, you know, I have my, my technical knowledge around the product that we sell is really good. But, but, you know, like you mentioned, like I'm at the end of the day, I'm a sales guy, I'm not an engineer. And so I don't know how to go in and build encode these, you know, intricate applications that these engineers do. And so, you know, it was just, you know, making myself vulnerable, having these conversations. And, you know, when you, the great thing about people is that when you put yourself out there and you ask for help, a lot of times people are going to try to help you. And so, you know, that, that didn't mean that every single, you know, engineer that I called was like, yeah, I want to work with you. But, you know, they're like, well, hey, I know this guy, maybe you should give this guy a call. And it was like, I was getting referrals, right? So just like what I would do in sales, instead of getting referrals from prospects, I was getting referrals from from engineers on other engineers that would be good contacts to put in my network. So I spent probably months just reaching out to engineers, having conversations, building a network, and then really just learning from them kind of the things that I should look for and the conversations I should have and what questions we should be talking about. And, and that was really helpful for me. And I actually ended up finding a guy that I've brought in my company who's just a great engineer. He loves building products and he's really smart, but his downside is, is he's like, I, I can't go talk to people. So I need a guy like you, just like you need me. And so we kind of, it ended up working out. It becomes a reciprocal relationship because you both have strengths that you bring to the table. You can right. talk to people. He can, he can deliver what you're telling people that they're, you're going to do for him, right? So That's exactly right. And so you must have, even during this process of trying to reorganize everything, you must have still been able to deliver for the clients because the business continued to grow, right? So it wasn't like a complete meltdown. No, it wasn't a complete meltdown. And so what I did was, I, I mean, the, the first couple enterprise deals that left as soon as they came in were good eye-openers for me in the sense that I knew I wasn't ready to take on that kind of business. And so what I did was I spent a lot of time with smaller companies, you know, people that have probably two to four salespeople, somewhere in that range where they're kind of looking to implement CRM for the first time. I spent a lot of time with those companies because I could do everything from the technical standpoint to implement their CRM, connect it with their Office 365 products and do all the things that they would need a CRM to do for them as a smaller company. And so I was able to stay cash flow positive by working with those types of people. But you know, certainly my goal was always to, to work with the enterprise clients because I felt like that was where we could deliver the most value. Okay. So, so it's like, it sounds like the theme is, you know, take on work and business that you can handle at the beginning and, and, and wear a lot of hats and do it yourself, figure it out, and then slowly go up market once you're ready. Whereas you just went in, you hired some people, you got huge enterprise deals, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now we got to figure it out, right? Well, you know, there's there's two schools of thought. I mean, I think your thought process that you just lined out, that's a fair way of looking at things. And I think that a lot of people would feel comfortable with doing that type of approach. For me personally, I knew that I wanted to go towards enterprise clients and and there's nothing that you could do working with a sales shop of, you know, two to three people that would prepare you for working with a sales team of 40. So so for me, I'm like, I, I just need to figure out what this is going to look like and what the process is going to be. And I need to just figure out, like, can we even do it? And so once I brought in a couple of those clients, I mean, it didn't go as planned or good or anything like that, but it immediately opened my eyes within the first six months of owning my company that like, I'm just not prepared to do this. And so it was the best lesson that I've 
that I could have learned. And it, you know, basically showed me that the person that I originally partnered with, it wasn't the right person. Like this individual couldn't get me to where I wanted the company to be long term. And so for me, I appreciated the early failures. I appreciated the early struggles. And, you know, right now it put me in a position, you know, a couple of years later, where now we're able to do the work that we want that I wanted to do from day one. So I wouldn't change it. Not, not any of it. Nice. Okay. So, so you learn those lessons and now, now that things are, and you kind of alluded to it. So now things are stabilizing. You've got, you've got a good handle on the business. You've got a better sense of things from a directional perspective. Now, now what do you have to do? What are the challenges now moving forward that, that you're concerned about? I'm still working on process. So, you know, I have, you know, I have a really talented engineer that's coming to the business with me. And so he's able to, you know, deliver the work for the clients. But, you know, again, the goal is to grow into a large company. And so eventually, you know, right now he's got a couple of people that work under him. So they're still a small team where it's easy to communicate, but eventually I want his team to be 10, 20, 30, 40 plus engineers. And so to get there, you have to have the process. And it's the same thing for me on the sales side. Like I want to have, you know, a big sales team that are going out and, you know, prospecting for new customers. And so you need to have that process. You need to understand how to flawlessly onboard clients. And so, you know, one of the biggest things that you could do is that, you know, many business owners in the first you know handful of years, they spend a lot of time working in the business. But what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to step out of that and work on the business where you're, you know, developing all the things I just talked about. And so right now I'm kind of walking that line between the two where, you know, I feel like to, to work on the business, I need to have enough internal knowledge where I could step back and logically create a system that's going to make sense whenever I go to plug something into it. That's such a good point. And I'm a big fan of the, the E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And so if people are listening and they're not familiar with the difference between working in the business and on the business, how would you describe that, that difference? So working in the business, I mean, you're, you're literally, you know, you're, you're in there doing all, all the daily activities. So, you know, if you're a salesperson, you're making the prospecting calls, you're doing the demos, you're closing the deals, and you're doing all those different types of things. If you're, you're on the engineering side, you're actually going in there, you're writing the code, you're integrating the applications, you're actually physically doing, physically doing the work. But when you're working on the business, that means you're, you're stepping back and you're identifying what should happen from... The first time you make that initial outreach call to what happens when you close the deal, how do you transition that deal from sales over to the operational side of the business, defining customer service, what are SLAs? I mean, I could go on and on about all the different processes that you need to have as a company. And so when you're working on the company, you're actually defining all those things and, and putting together a plan and a mission statement, a vision statement, all those different types of things. So you're, you're really just documenting that and, and, and rolling that out to your team so everybody knows what to expect. It's kind of your playbook, if you will. Yeah, it's making it more scalable. It's like it's getting those processes out. And you've returned to that a few times. You're saying like the process, the, you know, the process is so critical. And, and I think that that's difficult for a lot of people to think about because if you're an employee, you've always get hired into whatever process that is. Like if it's already a mature process, at a bigger company, then it's almost like everything's kind of laid out for you to be successful. If it's right. more of a startup, then sometimes it's on you to make the process. But I think, you know, from your perspective, it's like you would like to see things more as a process looking above the business so that you could kind of monitor it and make it more scalable. Right. Because that's my whole goal. I want to scale. And so I can't scale without having the process. And it's not fair to 
bring somebody in the process into the company and say, figure out the process, nor is it fair to me expect that whatever process that person comes up with, I can't expect that to be the scalable process I'm going to use to grow the company. So, you know, in my opinion, in my mind, that's something that I actively need to do myself and make sure that it works, that people understand it, but more importantly, make sure that I'm able to enforce it and coach people throughout the process to make sure that we're all on the same page, rowing in the same direction. That's so hard. And so, okay, the, the, the homework for everybody listening, if you think about doing this, is go Google, how do I build a process? And see, I'm sure that there's like process for dummies and process 101 and all these things because it is such a critical component of success. And, and it's something I think, you know, especially when you're starting out, right? You're just like, I got to make sales. I got to pay the bills. I got to do all this stuff. And you're just like process, schmasses. Like we got to bring in money, man, you know? Yeah. So that's the homework. I got one last question for you, Matt. This has been amazing. What I want to know is, so say you could go all the way back and you're sitting there going, I, I, want, I want to start a company in the back of my head and you were getting your experience. Now that you've done it for a while, what has been like a couple of the upsides of entrepreneurship? And then what have been a couple of the downsides? So the upsides, I mean, I, I love to learn. And so I just like being able to learn all different types of things, whether it's sales, whether it's operations, accounting, financials, you name it. So I, I love the capability to wear different hats, learn a lot of different things. I love traveling to, to shows all over the country. You meet a lot of people you grow a powerful network and, and you learn about all the different types of technologies that are available that can really help you with scaling the business. And so I just love to travel around and meet people and, and just talk about what we're doing because I feel that it brings a lot of value to people. You know, again, the, the downsides would be, you know, I think we, we talked about them a lot at length, but I, you know, the one regret that I have was just bringing people into the company too early. You know, I made it a point where, you know, I didn't want to part with anybody on bad terms and we're still, you know, all friends, if you will, but but, but I just think I brought them in too, too prematurely. And, you know, it's on the business owner to really come in, figure out what needs to happen, and then communicate your message to the people that you bring in where they could go out and execute. And, and so that's, the, that's the, probably the biggest downside or regret that I have since I started the company. Got it. Would you do it again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Sounds like it for sure. Yeah. Well, Matt, dude, this has been amazing. And, you know, I just appreciate your, you know, transparency and, and, and being vulnerable to help people because, this has been, I, I think, it, you know, like you said, if, if you can lay out some of the stuff that you did that, that, you know, could potentially help people to make their path a little bit easier, then this has been a big win. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And I look forward to tracking your success. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And hopefully this was insightful for anybody that's listening. Yeah, definitely. And before I let you go, if people want to connect with you, is, is LinkedIn the best way or what's, what's the website for your company? Yeah. LinkedIn is a great way to connect with me. Website is www.leadtogrowth.com with the number two in the middle. But if you connect with me on LinkedIn, you could find all my information on LinkedIn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and this is something, you know, Salesforce is a big power out here on the West Coast. And, but I'm sure that a lot of people listening know of companies that need to implement Microsoft Dynamics and are looking for expertise there. So definitely give Matt a call and and we'll get you on the show again, Matt. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. 
If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.